Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska, where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Thank you, Scott. Hello, everybody. Welcome aboard Must Read Alaska, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. And it is election season somewhere in Alaska. That would be in Anchorage, Alaska, where we're having a mayoral election. If you like this show, make sure you give us a five-star review. We really love to see those. It makes uh, it makes it all worthwhile when we get some kind words and a few stars from people. And of course, you can always go in and give us a written review as well, which we got a few of those this last week and I enjoyed reading them. I really appreciate everybody for that. For all the latest news, of course, head over to mustreadalaska.com and subscribe to the newsletters. Ton of great political content coming out of the Must Read Alaska Nation every day and seven days a week. So we're, we're busy over here. I'm Suzanne Downing and I'm really glad to be joined today by my co-host, John Quick, who is in Nikiski and he always has something to report about crazy things going on on the Kenai. So what's going on in the Kenai, John? Hello, Suzanne. John Quick here, coming to you live on location from the Kenai Peninsula Borough. You know, one of the things that's in the hopper for folks that live uh, in the Kenai Peninsula Borough is K-Silo schools. So some of you may have heard this uh, or seen this on ballots in the last, I don't know, four to five years. It's been on the ballot a couple of times. It's been turned down, but essentially, um, the Senate and the House appropriated $5 million to these schools, K-Silo, uh, down way past Homer. And this is two Russian villages that are way past Homer that have, I don't know, three schools, public schools in their uh, villages. And these are open to the public schools, but they just happen to be in these Russian villages. Now, yeah. these schools, I've been to these schools, these schools, uh, you know, water's leaking through the roof. Uh, foundations are coming through the cracks. I mean, mm. they're probably the worst schools, uh, public schools I've ever been to in my entire life in terms of uh, how well the building is upkept because, uh, you know, these buildings uh, are, aren't owned by the school district, they're owned by some third party. And so anyways, they've had this 5 million bucks. They put it on the ballot twice because they there needs to be a match of 20%. And every time they put it on the ballot, the public says, eh, no, we're good. We don't want to do that. So the, the mayor got thought outside the box and said, well, what if you can just appropriate it to the uh, Department of Education and they can just give us a $5 million grant with no match and let us build our own schools that aren't to, to uh, educational specs, which you know he could do for probably $3 million. So they sent that letter, I don't know, last month. and if the uh, the governor allows for it, it would be a huge win for the borough because there does need to be new schools. These schools are literally falling apart. We, we don't need to build $5 million Taj Mahals, but I think there's somewhere we can meet in the middle. So uh, kudos to the mayor and the, the school district superintendent for doing a joint letter and sending that off to the governor. So that would be Mayor Charlie Pierce of the borough. Now that's interesting because there are a couple of little villages south, just uh, east of Homer, out East End Road, 
Um, and I think these are the ones you're talking about, CeeLo and uh, Razdolna, Dolna, I think Razdolna is the other bitch. one. Yeah. 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 And, I've, and, and if you drive out there and anybody who goes to Homer would you know, drive out there and take a look. There's a, a wonderful little community, couple little communities out there of old believers from that are they're from a, traditionally from a Russian heritage. And they came over here in the 60s and they've got a great community there. Now, I have actually looked in the window of at least one of those schools, but it's been a while. So it, it looked fine to me. But I, I must tell you, it's probably been about 10 years since I've seen it. So a lot can happen to a building in 10 years in Alaska, as we know. And I, I know that that's, that CELO school has is, is got some leakage problems that really have to be addressed. So interesting. So good. So when do you think something might occur that'll fix these schools? You know, I think they'll probably have one or, one or two things happen. I think it would be amazing if they could reappropriate the money into the Department of Education and then the Department of Education could say, hey, here's three million bucks and, and the borough, go build yourself some, you know, amazing portables and a school that'll work for that, that community, or uh, they're going to say no and nothing's going to get done because mm. the, the borough doesn't have the money, the school district doesn't have the money, and um, there's just, you can't build anything without any money, and the, the, the people of the borough have said two or three times now, no, we don't want to bond for this, so mm. there's, mm. there's only really two options, don't do it or reappropriate the money and do it for a little bit less. Mm. Interesting. Well, they've got a lot of uh, uh, wonderful, liberty-loving uh, Russian-Americans in that community. They, they came to America to escape a persecution in Russia and to have their religious liberty so they could worship as they, um, as they wanted in America. And they, uh, they settled here. So we, we, they're good people. They're good. Oh, really man. Good people. That, that's the last thing I'd say about that is that w the mayor and I went down to this, this uh, place and some of the nicest people I've ever met in my whole life. I Absolutely. mean, they literally treated the mayor like he was you know a rock star kind of deal and they they were so nice and so accommodating and I mean just some of the nicest people and uh so I really hope that they get what they're looking for I just think they might have to look at a little outside the box yeah anybody wants to learn Russian send their kids to those schools too by the way so now um let's you got a great mayor on the Kenai borough uh, peninsula and uh, it's it's great to have Charlie Pierce down there, but Anchorage, of course, is facing is at a crossroads. It's facing an election for the last six six years and five and a half years. It has had uh, we know a really horrible situation with Ethan Berkowitz and all kinds of nonsense going off going on in his bathroom there in the city hall. And now we've got this race happening for a new mayor, and we have the choice of either Forrest Dunbar, which sort of continues. The same thing as Ethan Berkowitz, same, all the same kinds of policies, um, you know, building up the government structures and the government programs and making government fix everything that's wrong in the world. Or you have Dave Bronson. And as of, uh, as of, let's see, Friday night, I think we have 63,000 ballot envelopes have been logged in. And that's, that's pretty good. I mean, there were about 75,000 ballots that were voted in the April 6th election. And then of course it went to a runoff because these guys both got under 45%. There were 15 people on the ballot. So lots of competition. So Forrest Dunbar got um, 
close to close to 43 41% and and I think that uh, Dave Bronson got 42% something like that so they had to go to a runoff that's what we're into now if you're outside of Anchorage then that's what's going on in the in the biggest city in Alaska which has almost 40% of the population of Alaska so it's kind of a big deal for the whole state because if you don't live in Anchorage you still probably come through Anchorage now and then some people come through a lot some people come through a couple times a year but the policies that happen in Anchorage affect everybody in the state especially rural Alaska, where people use Anchorage as a medical hub, or they use it as a transportation hub, or they come in here because we are like the big Home Depot of the entire state where we we, we have all the supplies. So it matters to uh, Alaskans who is the mayor and whether or not they are pro-business or they're just going to be a big government program. I expect with these 63,000 ballots that came in by Friday, close of business, I expect, John, that we're going to see another 5,000 came in Saturday, another 5,000 on Sunday, and possibly as many as 7,000 today. So that gets us up to 80-some thousand. And really, at the time we're recording this, which is on Monday afternoon, we are less than... 30 hours now from the end of this election cycle. It ends at 8 p.m. on Tuesday. Everybody's got to get their ballots into one of those drop box. Or if you're going to take it to the mailbox at this point, you had better get a hand cancellation on it because you don't want it to be canceled after 8 p.m. on Tuesday and not have your ballot count. So, you know, uh, we moved to a mail-in ballot process here in Anchorage uh, in, in 2018. It was our first time at it. And it's got some real issues. I got to tell you, I, I wouldn't necessarily encourage others to do it. The lines are really tend to be really long at those three locations you can vote on election day, or even now, the day before election day. The lines tend to be pretty darn long because people do not like mailing their ballots or dropping them in those boxes. They feel it's very insecure. And there's another issue that has to do with ballot carrying. For instance, if you are uh, voting, let's say you voted April 20th and then you went out of town and you're out in your fishing grounds you're not around to get the letter from the municipality that tells you your ballot there's something wrong with your ballot you forgot to sign it your signature didn't match or you put a stray mark on it so it didn't get counted and if they can't discern that you are you who you are your ballot can get tossed so you have to be in town between the time you voted and the time they count the ballots and then they send you for instance they're going to send uh, letters out to everybody who needs ballot curing they don't do that until after they count ballots tomorrow, uh, tomorrow night and the next day and the next day. And then you only have like 70 hours to get down to Ship Creek where, the, where you can go in and you, to show your ID and tell them what you intended by your ballot. And uh, it's, it's not necessarily a good situation. There were 1,400 ballots that got tossed out in the last go around. And that's a lot, a lot of ballots that couldn't be cured. So people who are traveling, um, you they're a little bit nervous about this. And I don't know, you guys had a chance to do this down in, in Kenai and everybody in Kenai said, no way. Yeah, we, uh, we didn't want anything to do with uh, going to the all mail-in uh, ballots. And I think it failed 70-30 uh, or close thereabouts just because people prefer, I think the everyday person that's in Alaska, that's a conservative prefers to physically show up and, and vote that way. I know that I enjoy doing that with my kids and it's a fun little lesson to teach them throughout, you know, just what it looks like to go and vote. So I think the average person doesn't even think about the fact that they have to be around for the 72 hours afterwards and all those kinds of things. They just, 
even if they mail it in, they just expect it to get counted. And sometimes it just doesn't, unfortunately. Right. And then, and there's, you know, when you're voting in person, you can go and you can put it in the machine. If, if there's something wrong, the machine's going to spit it out and they're going to say there's something wrong with this ballot, but you've already shown them your ID and they've checked it off the list, but there's all these fail safes there. And your ballot, does, once it goes in that machine, if the machine accepts it, it will get counted. At least that's how I feel about it. Cause I don't feel like the machines are miscounting things. I just have, I know there are people who, who think that the Dominion machines are all messed up and they're they can be rigged or hacked or something. I just don't know enough to be able to go down that road. I guess if I was a computer programmer, somebody involved in IT, I would feel more confident about that. But for me, I am not one of those things. I mean, I, I don't code. I don't know how to do HTML. It's all very confusing to me. I took one computer class in college and that was plenty. And so um, I, one of the things you might not see down in the Kiski, John, is that here in Anchorage, it is really interesting because we're now in the in the heavy duty sign waving portion of the campaign and everybody does this sign waving. They, get, they take they stake the corners and there's going to be a real battle of sign waving going on today uh, in Anchorage and then as well tomorrow, probably. But what's funny is that the the people who have the conservatives for Bronson independent expansion group. That's the McKenna brothers. They set up in, an IE and they're paying their truck drivers these massive dump trucks, big commercial dump trucks, because they're they're involved in paving. So they've got these dump trucks that have these Bronson for Mayor signs on, on them. And they've located all of the Forrest Dunbar sign waving locations. And these trucks are going around and just trolling these poor Forrest Dunbar <laughs> sign wavers. They're honking their horns and they're driving around them with their big signs. And it's it's it is pretty hilarious because they they're 20 or 30 of these trucks on the roads and um they're they're it's one of the better campaign trolling things i've ever seen which is massive dump trucks lots and lots of them convoys and then these these little people standing there with their signs so i'll try to get a picture of that so people can see what that looks like it's it's kind of hard to capture it because of course the traffic's going by and you, you can't really quite get the gist of it, but I think people know what we mean. I don't know if on Tuesday night that the Bronson campaign is going to be doing a lot of sign waving. I have a feeling they're going to be actually on the phones calling lists of people who hadn't yet got their ballots in and offering rides and trying to get their voters out because right now that's what they're down to. People like you and I, we've voted and people who read Must Read Alaska, they have voted or if they haven't voted, they have a plan for voting on election day. By the way, Must Read Alaska folks, there's going to be a long line at the Lusak Library on Election Day. So I recommend you either vote at City Hall, which is a hassle because there's not enough parking, or you go out to Eagle River and you can vote out there as well. Um, because this is an area-wide election, you should be able to vote in Eagle River. Uh, there's only two things on the ballot. It's either Forrest Dunbar or Dave Bronson. It's not like there's anything localized that they'd have to separate, ba separate ballots for. But, but the Lusak Library will probably be a long line because it was a long line on April 6th and, and it went on for 40 minutes sometimes. So that would be just a little tip. If you're planning to vote on election day, get down there early. Now, speaking of trolling, um, hey, Scott, did, um, John, did you see this thing with uh, Scott Kendall on Mustard, Alaska, what we ran a story about this weekend and his, his little Hitler escapade? I did. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's unfortunate because, you know, you would think we're at a place where we can be an adult and we can have conversations and we can, you know, be fine with agreeing to disagree because folks in the other camp, you know, they think they're doing what's right. And we think we're doing what's right. And, 
And oftentimes when the other camp uh, doesn't, is not able to win with facts or data, they revert to, you don't agree with me? Okay, you're a racist. And that's what we saw over the weekend was um, uh, the former, former chief of staff for the governor uh, goes for, on for, to for, And let's make sure that we're talking about the governor. We're talking about Bill Walker, not, yes. not Mike Dunleavy. No, we're not yeah. talking about this governor. Yeah, the former chief of staff for Governor Bill Walker, you know, who is not in the public arena right now, but he's been in, in certain situations where he was the chief of staff for Governor Walker. He was in a public arena and people know him. And, and he posted a, um, a meme on his Facebook that basically said uh, it was a picture of Captain America slapping Hitler. Basically, uh, he followed up that, you know, two hours before that, he had written a piece about how the followers of Bronson were racist. And they yeah. were showing, they were wearing, you know, seen wearing three percented, three percenter clothing and all these kinds of things. And he was basically, you know, equivalating a supporter of Dunbar with being a Nazi. And I just don't think that that's a, an argument that anybody wants to have or could, could even say is remotely factual. Um, and it's what they do when they can't win with facts and data. Right, right, right. And this is Godwin's law. Godwin's law is that it, whenever there's a debate going on online, which in Alaska, of course, our online debates typically happen on Facebook. We have a, a very active political world on Facebook in Alaska and lots of debates about this particular campaign. And, and Godwin's law says that that the, uh, the longer an online conversation continues, the more chance there is to mention Hitler or to, or to say somebody's a Nazi. And at some point, the the chance gets down to just a one, the, you know, a chance of one, it's going to happen. So this guy, he's just a funny guy. And I don't, I don't know who Godwin is, but right now he's like general counsel for the Wikimedia Foundation. Then he came up with this, this rule of thumb. As an online discussion grows longer, the probability of a comparison involving Nazi or Hitler approaches one. And it's often cited in online discussions against the use of inflammatory rhetoric or exaggerated comparisons. But unfortunately, what we saw is the former uh, former campaign, this, this is Scott Kendall, former campaign manager for Lisa Murkowski. And he is the driving force behind the recall Dunleavy. And he was also the driving force behind ballot measure two, which brought us the ranked choice voting and the jungle primary. I mean, this guy is very politically involved. And now he's calling Dave Bronson the equivalent of Hitler. So this guy has so jumped the shark that, um, that I mean, it's, it's almost like that. Remember that little golden book of, of um, everyone I don't like is Hitler, a child's guide to online political discussion. I mean, we ought to just get a copy of that and sort of sign it and, and get it to him because he has definitely gone over the edge when you just start, you just don't compare people to Hitler. And you don't compare people to Nazis unless they're like Pol Pot or the Killing Fields or they're like Mao Zedong who killed millions of Chinese. I mean, there's there are there are people who are like Hitler, but that's because they've killed millions of people like Hitler did. And I just it's it's sad to see the the normalizing of that kind of political dialogue in Alaska. I just didn't expect it to be coming from. Scott Candle, of all people, who always, you know, demands that our side be respectful and rightfully so, right? 
Yeah, it's uh, you know I think that they see that that uh, that Bronson is having events and 500 people are showing up to his events and he has a huge amount of momentum. He's had multiple events now where hundreds and hundreds of people are showing up to events. You have uh, the independent expenditure group, like you said, this this uh, construction outfit that's willing to put all their trucks on the line and put Bronson signs on them, and you, you don't see that happening with Dunbar. You don't see this huge momentum happening with Dunbar. You see him having a, you know, a vaccination party and and doing some last minute hokey pokey at the assembly meetings to try to kill the oh. emergency orders. But you don't see this huge momentum like Dave Bronson is having, and so this is where you start just swinging at anything that will stick on the wall. And I think that conservatives are here saying, let's talk about, let's argue about Dunbar's 10 point plan. Let's argue about Dunbar, you know, causing more harm than good than the last year by shutting down Anchorage and killing the economy. Let's argue about those kinds of things. And, and we're fine with disagreeing with you on that. But when you, when you make arguments that a five-year-old child could defend by just calling people names, it really gets you out of the uh, respect uh, uh, mechanism that we would even want to dialogue with you any further at this point. Right, right. Well, you know, I do, I do tend to call them lefties and stuff, but I, I, I don't call people commies too much. I mean, I really try to dial that back because unless they're a member of the Communist Party, it's probably not really appropriate. Um, I do call people leftists. I call them progressives. I call them liberals. I call them radicals. And sometimes I call them extremists. And I think actually at this point, we can see that Forrest Dunbar is in fact an, an extremist. In fact, I saw a campaign picture of him from the weekend when they were getting ready to do a, a big door knocking event over the weekend. And a couple of those people in that picture had their fists raised, you know, in revolution. These guys are, are um, all about uh, Chairman Mao. They're all about Che, they're all about Fidel Castro. These are these are pretty hardcore people. But and when it, when it comes to the Holocaust, I know that I have talked to people who survived the Holocaust, and I'm sure that Scott Kendall has too. I'm sure he knows people who did or knew people who did because that generation is, is quickly leaving, um, quickly dying from just age. But you know, we just need a better dialogue than that. We expect more than that. That is just something that those those survivors. Um, deserve better than to have a, a mayor's race sort of compared to that. Well, I noticed that after a couple of hours, he took that down after my story yeah. came out on Mustard Alaska. He he actually switched out his profile picture, and I guess I should thank him for that. So uh, on another topic uh, that's hit the news today, I just wanted to tell you, if you hadn't seen it already, um, that the FDA has approved this Pfizer vaccine and they say you can give it to 12 to 15-year-olds. So that's given it to some pretty young people now we've or, or, earlier it was uh, 20 or 30 or no actually when we started out it was 65 and older and then it was 55 and older and then got down to 25 and 16 and older and now it's down to 12 so they're looking at giving kids these these vaccines before they go to school in the fall what do you think about that well you know i've uh, i'd rather get punched in the throat than give my kids this vaccine it's not going to happen in my household and i know it's not going to happen in a lot of our friends household this is a experimental drug that's not even that's that's that point is not even refutable it's literally labeled experimental with uh the, the cdc and i i just see that folks in alaska 
a lot of folks in Alaska are not really going to be excited about getting their kids vaccinated. I think I could see the Anchorage School District and the Juneau School District and possibly some others um, kind of moving towards wanting to get all kids vaccinated. You saw last week that the superintendent of the Anchorage School District said that you're not going to be a volunteer in the school. You're not going to be a chaperone on field trips unless you're vaccinated. And so they're mm -hmm. moving in that direction. You're not going to be allowed to do certain things in the school district unless you're vaccinated. And I could just tell you that that's pretty much uh, going to fall on deaf ears for conservatives and libertarians in Alaska. And that's the majority of folks in Alaska. So, um, you know, if kids what if people want to get their kids vaccinated, great. I mean, I'm not it's it's between them and their doctor and their kids. And if they want to do that, awesome. I draw the line when it comes to saying your kid has to do it in order to get into school or your kid has to do it in order to go on a field trip or your kid has to do it, just has to do it. I'm not going to go there. Yeah. And I know, you know, we're, we're a little bit different on this topic because I've gotten the vaccine. I got the Pfizer vaccine in February and I, I've gotten both shots and I, I didn't have any ill effects from it that I know, although perhaps I stutter a little bit more than I used to, but I, you know, you don't want that vaccine. And I know you're staying away from it. And so that's the choice you're making. Of course, you live in the Kiski and your, your risk level is actually fairly low because you're, you're in a more contained scenario. Whereas I, I spend a lot of time traveling and I go and see my mom and she's elderly. So, you, of course, I, I have my reasons for wanting to make sure that I'm not the one who you know, walks in to see my mom and then accidentally kills her because I had brought COVID in. But then the thing is with this Pfizer vaccine, which is the one I got actually, uh, they're now looking at giving it to children six months to 11 years old. They're going to be studying that. They'll be studying that and coming up with a report by August, whether or not they can give it to children as young as six months old, which I think is pretty young. I, I know that a lot of people are concerned about the number of shots that babies get. Is it too, are we giving them too many shots? I'm probably one of those people who thinks that maybe we ought to space out the shots a little bit and let a child's system catch up, but then I'm, of course I'm not a doctor. So I, I think you raise a good point. You know, the school district in Anchorage at least has said parents can't be involved in the schools unless they get the vaccine. That is most certainly a vaccine passport. So will the next stage be now that the FDA and uh, FDA is giving this over to the CDC, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, is going to make the decision themselves about whether or not it's appropriate for 12 year olds. And then once the CDC makes that recommendation, that's when it starts drifting down to the lower level into, a, into the lower levels like uh, the school districts around the country and including Anchorage, including Nikiski, including Kenai and Juneau and every place else will have to make the decision. Are we going to require students as young as 12 to get vaccinated? And really Biden wants 70% of Americans vaccinated and he can't get to that number without those kids. So they need those kids in order to help Biden make his number. Kind of a little bit tricky. I think, I don't know. I think that it's going to set parents off. I think the conservative parents are, are going to be really concerned about whether or not government is moving too fast on this one and they'll pull the kids out of the schools. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, I'm just, I, I hope that we can get to a place where if somebody wants to wear a mask, they wear a mask. If they don't want to wear a mask, they don't wear a mask. If somebody wants to get a vaccine, they get a vaccine. If they don't want to get a vaccine, then they don't get a vaccine. And, you know, you and I are prime examples. You got a vaccine. I didn't, you know, 
you've never once looked down on me for not getting it. I've never once looked down on you for getting it. We just respect that you got it. I I didn't. And it's no big deal. And I think that that's what I hope for, for Alaska is that people can just be respectful and get out of this mandatory nonsense. Well, listen, before we, um, before we close up the podcast and thanks for everybody who's still listening and listening to us talk about these, these vaccines for kids, which is a, a topic we're probably going to revisit again in the future because I don't think this is going away. I just want to talk to you a little bit about this, this story that I did today on an um, Alaska a policy forum study that was done on how much people are making on unemployment and why we can't get anybody to go back to work. I've been all around Anchorage and everywhere I go, there are, there are signs that help wanted, help wanted, or a signs on restaurants saying we can't get help for a kitchen. So service here is a lot slower than what you might expect. Thank you for your patience. So that when you go in the door, you know, it might be 40 minutes before you eat because they don't have anybody who's willing to work in the kitchen. I don't know if you saw this story, but I tell you, if, if Alaskans are making $33 an hour just to stay home, I think that we've created a problem and it's created because we've got this bonus on this federal bonus on top of the unemployment insurance bonus where we're paying people this extra bonus. And what we're seeing is the unintended consequence. Now, the uh, Alaska policy form says that factoring in non-cash welfare programs like Medicaid benefits, Alaskans could earn up to $5,711 per month or or $68,000 a year. And that is just once you start calculating all your other, your EBT card, your, your Medicaid is paid for for free if you're a lower income, and then you've got your unemployment. So people are just staying home because it is, you're making so much money off the government just staying home. We've created a massive welfare state. This is so untenable. Yeah, it's unfortunate. You know, if, if you're a small business owner and you're listening to this, you're probably nodding your head and you're thinking, yep, yep, I totally understand it. You know, I, I just drove to Soldatna a couple of days ago and there's a sign at McDonald's giving a $500 cash bonus for anybody that uh, and that applies and receives a job because they can't fill their positions. Um, so one, one, things I, one thing I would say, if you're a small business owner listening or if you have uh, friends that are small business owners that are listening, there's something simple that you can do. If you have needs, where you need to hire somebody, think outside the box. I, I'm a part owner of a hardware store. We needed to hire people. We were told the same things that nobody, nobody wants to work and nobody wants to do this, nobody wants to do that. Well, you know, we just thought, well, we need to do something different. We're, gonna, we're not gonna post it on the normal atmospheres that people go look at jobs. We're gonna post it to where what they're doing the most of, and that's on Facebook. So if you are a small business owner, put together a picture meme of that you're, you're hiring for a job and post it out there on Facebook and put 10 bucks behind the boost. And I guarantee you, you will get your job in front of more people than you ever would putting in front of your normal avenues in which you post jobs at. And we got a ridiculous amount of resumes, resumes for our teeny little hardware store, way more than big, big corporations are getting for jobs that are paying way more than what we're going to pay. And so sometimes I think it's just a matter of marketing it differently than what you're used to, because this is a different atmosphere than anything we've ever seen before. 
Yeah, and I have a suggestion along with that. And that's a great suggestion, by the way. Um, we've got a lot of kids graduating from high school. And I won't, wouldn't say that they've been given the best training in maybe just workplace situations because they've been home for a whole year and for some of them, a year and a half. They're graduating um, across the state. And in the past, high school students haven't been able to compete for jobs because adults are taking them and people who are older aren't leaving the workforce fast enough. And there are an awful lot of rules around hiring young people anyway. And so now's the opportunity. If you're a young person or if you have any young people in your life, I think that this is a great place for them to get a rung on the ladder and just, just get a great summer job. I think they'll find a lot easier to get a job this year than almost any other year because these adults are staying home and, and just uh, scraping money off the government. And this is a, ch a chance for an enterprising high school student to actually get finally get a, a place in the workforce and get some real life experience. So, you know, get out there, high school students, and apply for some of these jobs because I think you'll probably find that you can make a lot of money. Amen to that. Say before we. Yeah, yeah, I'm into that. Say before we uh, we go, everybody, I just want to uh, make sure you you all know that we really appreciate you listening to this podcast. And I talked to some people earlier this week out in the valley, and they said they love the podcast, and they just wanted to let us know. I really appreciate hearing from you, and we love doing it as well. So if you if you like it, also go to mustreadalaska.com, sign up for the newsletter. You know, we do a lot of content throughout the week, and of course, we're going to be doing a lot of election coverage over the next 48, 72 hours in this Anchorage election. And you'll also get Club MRAC, which is the, the just exclusively legislative news. And that's gonna go for a few more weeks until the end of session. And then we will just be down to three days a week for our regular newsletter. But be sure to tune in midweek because Scott Lebeck has the show on Wednesday and he anchors it by himself. So he has, he has really great guests and he's gonna have a ton to talk about this week because of the election. And he's usually has that up by well, Wednesday night, Thursday morning, listen, listen for that. He's doing a great job. And Scott, you're going to have such a good time this week because I think, you know, we're going to really enjoy the results of this election. And you can also check in with us uh, all day tomorrow, uh, say starting in the afternoon, starting in the afternoon on May 11th, we're, go we're going to be doing live streaming from around different places in Anchorage where the uh, election is underway. And we'll just be getting some boots on the ground so we can see what's going on out there. So if you're a supporter of Must Read Alaska, thank you so much. It makes this possible to stand up for what's right in Alaska and to beat back the big liberal media. We really appreciate you. So until then, we're signing off from somewhere in Alaska.